0: Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid on some pretty good eco-data out of Europe and China this morning. The two-day FOMC meeting begins. Apple's product launch this afternoon, Adobe and FedEx tonight. It's a busy Tuesday. A big morning on tap as well. We got an exclusive with Lowe's Marvin Ellison in just a few moments. And then, as Joe and uh, Jim were just saying, Speaker Pelosi on news of some new efforts, uh, Jim, to build a compromise stimulus bill, although uh, hopes are weak that it might actually get some traction. Right.
1: right. Well, look, I, I think that the charges that Leader McCarthy made, which basically are saying that uh, Speaker Pelosi just doesn't want a deal, uh, actually are in somewhat sync with what, what Jared Kushner was saying, which is maybe there can't be a deal for the election. Well, how about these next three months? We just decide, you know what? Uh, There's been no PP for September, October, November. I don't know whether that's uh, sacrificing the American working person for the election or uh, or maybe someone actually thinks the economy is coming back. David, you know that we are hearing persistent stories that because vaccines are all going to be ready, it's time to start thinking about a FedEx, which reports tonight. It's time to start thinking about a Union Pacific I've got on, and time to start thinking about pretty much every industrial, like caterpillar, deer. It's happening.
2: Although, let's come back. I mean, vaccines, you know, I don't even know how to parse that exactly, Jim. Vaccines being ready, when we actually talk to the experts or Mr. Borla from Pfizer yesterday, who Meg Terrell brought us, or you listen to Anthony Fauci. I mean, having a vaccine that is at least approved for emergency usage, which may be the case, or potentially through phase three, and having it actually available to inoculate a wide portion of the population are two very different things.
1: Well, and but, the timeline
2: but, is quite...
1: But, David, I, I, I agree with you. I am saying that there are people in the stock market who disagree with us. I think there are people in the stock market who agree with the president and think that something's imminent. And because something's imminent, they feel like they've got to move now, David. And that's why we're seeing a lot of aggressive buying.
2: Right. Right. And well, typically, the stock market does move before these things, doesn't it, Jim?
1: Yes. And people are optimistic. Carl, one of the things that I've I've seen over and over again is people are saying the reopening of America by retail, the reopening of America by restaurants, uh, by cruise ships, even though Carnival put out some numbers today that aren't that good. But you know what we don't hear? Mm. Buy drug stocks. I mean, people are just saying, let's stay away from those. Stay away from health care. Too hot. <laughs> Election year.
0: Well, certainly on the heels of the president's comments about uh, pricing, and of course, Kushner uh, discussed that this morning as well, Jim. But um, to your point about the economy, uh, we got some new data from 3M on August sales up too. Uh, Delinquencies out of J.P. Morgan really didn't rise that much in August. Consumer spending has been pretty solid despite uh, those enhanced benefits running out. So maybe there's enough momentum built in from the summer stimulus, Jim, to get us to where a vaccine is at least something you can hold in your hand, even though, to David's point, the idea that you and I and David are going to get one is, as Germany said today, probably not a, a it's probably not here until mid twenty twenty one.
1: Well, that would uh, that'd be late. But you're right. There is a bit ahead of steam. The 3M has decided to give these monthly figures. Uh, I have Mike Wellman on recently as CEO and CEO. Uh, he was saying that things could be good, but th- this is not good. This is very good. And I think you're right about ahead of steam. I mean, what's happening is, is that when we see Wells Fargo today talk about how Caterpillar is undervalued, uh, about Deere is undervalued. We it, I just keep thinking that if you get a, an uptick in airline traffic, David, people are going to say, We are back. uh, And therefore, maybe even there's no stimulus package, which is pretty amazing, because, of course, we are not trading Joe's Deli. We are not trading Ann's coffee shop. Uh, Those are the ones that uh, we know when you walk down the streets of New York and I'm sure other cities uh, can't open because they don't have any customers.
2: Yeah, you've made this point uh, and we will continue to make it because the 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 reflection of the U.S. economy that we see in the stock market is not the reflection of the U.S. economy. To your point. And I think the, you know, the big keep getting bigger. We can't say it enough. And it's true. Talk to uh, Lowe's, of course, and Marvin Ellison. I mean, there are the beneficiaries of this period, Jim. Uh, and then there are the losers. Right. Uh, and the beneficiaries are the ones that are right in front of us, that we see every day, that we see publicly traded. Unfortunately, those who are losing uh, are perhaps just not as, as evident, at least in terms of our optics.
1: Well, I would say uh, as someone who's a restaurant owner, if you have a crowd, if you have too many people, they'll shut you down. Of course, before the pandemic, what you were hoping for is a crowd and too many people. So, Carl, I, I think that the idea uh, of, of thriving, if you don't have a big balance sheet, can't be. Uh, and everywhere we open, even 25 percent diners, we're seeing a spike in, in COVID. So uh, I think, Carl, what we just have to say is we need the vaccine before things return to normal. But returning to normal means that a lot of a lot of small businesses just can't pay the rent.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, Jim, uh, to your ongoing point about uh, the mom and pops versus the giants, uh, Amazon, of course, yesterday with that announcement, hiring 100,000 additional employees. And now, Jim, getting into luxury uh, in this uh, partnership with Oscar de la Renta, which The New York Times fashion critic I saw this morning said this is uh, the high end giving in. Remember those days where they didn't want to be associated uh, even a Nike didn't want to be associated with the uh, the main page of Amazon, the idea of Amazon. That's that's collapsing quickly.
1: Yeah, every, everyone. has is uh, really come to realize without it, forget it. Uh, David Tiffany, are they ready to make a deal with Amazon? They're probably telling me that some of it's already on there, but you know what I mean?
2: Guys, wanted to uh, also get to a story that we've been covering. Yesterday, of course, Jim, you and I spent a decent amount of time on it, and it continues to be fascinating because we don't have a lot of answers yet. And I'm talking, of course, about the potential. Well, I won't call it a sale any longer. Um, the trusted technology partnership that apparently is at least still being worked on uh, between uh, Oracle or a group led by Oracle and uh, uh, TikTok's owner, uh, ByteDance. Um, We've heard, of course, the Treasury and CFIUS will review uh, the deal as at least we understand it at this point. But, of course, there's still a lot we don't understand. It's not as though we've gotten a press release outlining what the deal parameters are, what the potential consideration that Oracle is actually paying to ByteDance, to TikTok's owner. ByteDance is for some sort of ownership position in that U.S. business. Um, In some ways, you could view it almost as Oracle paying for a web hosting opportunity right, they bring them to their cloud. We talked a lot about it yesterday. Maybe a real positive for ByteDance and its owners, given that all along we had been under the assumption that they would be forced to actually sell the business and do so at a significant discount to its real value, given it was a forced sale. But that no longer seems to be the operative way that we're thinking about this, because it appears much more likely that Oracle is getting some sort of a A web hosting deal for which it's paying something will have some sort of ownership stake. will perhaps also include a roll in of some of some of ByteDance's owners as well. But, Jim, we also don't know what ByteDance will actually own. Those of us who are going off the executive order from the president back on uh, back on um, August 14th assume that they had to sell the business. That's what it kind of said. Although when you do listen to Secretary of the Treasury Mnuchin and his comments, guys, You'll see there's a lot of nuance there in terms of national security concerns where he never fully says it has to actually be fully purchased. Take a listen to some of the comments we've heard from Secretary Mnuchin, who's been so instrumental in this, given he, of course, oversees CFIUS as well, which does the National Security Review
1: the president made perfectly clear it's not going to continue to exist in this format and to the extent there's an appropriate u.s buyer that can get us comfortable with the security issues going forward that deal will be approved if not uh, the president's given a deadline and it'll be shut down you know david jim i don't know what you yeah i don't know what they made a christian's comments with uh with squawk box this morning i think there's a deal maybe as soon as today i think that sibius uh review is almost complete They like Oracle. They don't feel that Oracle has any ties or uh, uh, that for Katz has explained, look, we're an American company. I think they're going to get all of TikTok worldwide. Uh, They're going to hire 25,000 people in America. They do only want a list. Uh, Apparently, um, Secretary Mnuchin is very happy that they're about the security concerns. Saffir Katz has spent the whole time negotiating this, saying, listen, we are the ones. Oracle is saying, listen, you know, she's saying we're ready. We have a gigantic cloud presence. We're already doing a lot in advertising. David, this is going to be today, maybe tomorrow, but maybe later today. Uh, 55 million users, 79 minutes uh, a day for those 55, 100 million per month. Yeah. And uh, it is just a, a prized asset. And I know that Safra said yeah, over we know, and over we know again, the, metrics. the ones.
2: We know the metrics, but... But, Jim, they're, get, they're just getting a, right, They're getting somebody to host on their cloud, right? That's well, the what the main that? part of it is for Oracle. I not think that the, the answer to an that important is what's business. the matter with
1: that? I mean, in Microsoft, it would be embedded it's in Microsoft. An, the reason why I think the deal is going to be done, David, right. is exactly why you say. Because Oracle is a trusted company in the White House. But, David, you're right. I mean, it's not going to be that Oracle owns it. Uh, it's going to be uh, that it's going to be owned by these P.E. firms, some of it Oracle. And uh, that's why I think the deal is going to be approved. Uh, that's why the even the apparently David, the, the Pompeo's and yes, the Navarro's have checked off.
2: Well, then, Carl, that would seem to indicate a likelihood that it will be, of course, approved. And again, it's not what we had thought originally, given particularly the executive order from August 14th. Don't forget, by the way, that's still in effect and also includes WeChat, which is yet another story that we're certainly right. going to be following as that date gets closer.
1: Look, the yeah, type And Zoom. if you listen to Kushner. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, Kushner's point this morning on Squawk Eyes was that uh, there's a disparity of opinion within the Oval uh... that the president's sort of absorbing that and that it's really now up to him as he said take a listen
2: on this particular uh, instance with TikTok, some people are pushing for an all-out ban. Uh, but President Trump is uh, is pragmatic, and what he uh, basically said is he was going to ban it because there was national security concerns, but that if an appropriate deal would come up that would satisfy the national security uh, concerns, then they would look at it. So, uh, again, there's a lot of voices around the president, but ultimately he's the one who makes the decision. And uh, there's a, a sub- something was submitted, and I know that it's being reviewed right now to make sure that it, it qualifies on all the different criteria. Uh, Criteria
0: that are necessary. So, Jim, it sounds like you think it's uh,
1: it's close. It's done. I think it's done. Scipius this afternoon, uh, maybe President uh, this evening or tomorrow. President's going to say it's a big win. The president's going to say that they beat China and that they got all what that they wanted and more. It's going to be a victory for the uh, China hawks, is the way the president's going to portray this and it is gonna go to Oracle, and they're gonna have bragging rights that they really have a great cloud. David, I know that they wanna be the number four cloud. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, In the meantime, guys, uh, an exclusive this morning with Lowe's CEO Marvin Ellison. When we come back, future's looking pretty good. Don't go away. Empire was up this morning for the third month in a row, and now we're getting industrial production. Let's get to Rick Santelli.
3: Yes, we're waiting for our August read on industrial production, Carl. And, of course, I'll have to tap dance a bit here. Don't see it on any of the wire services yet. We are expecting a number up around 1% and on utilization rates, something above 71%. Uh, It has come off some big lows. Both of them had huge lows in April, minus 12 on industrial production. Here we go. Industrial production up four-tenths of 1%. That is less than half of expectations, but we did see a half a percent increase in last month. July moves from 3% to 3.5%. Utilization rates still don't seem to be trickling out, Carl. I will give it back to you. Oh, here we go. 71.4, exactly as expected, and a revision of up half a 1% on this number as well. The July read originally at 70.6, now stands at 71.1. Jim, back to
1: you. Well, thank you so much. And those numbers seem OK. They seem OK, Rick. And that's one of the reasons why I know we're going to be waiting for Secretary, uh, for uh, Speaker Pelosi to answer what Leader McCarthy said, because maybe we don't need a deal. But I'll tell you who is on fire It makes you feel like the things are great in this economy. It's Lowe's. Today, they announced a major initiative offering opportunities for hundreds of diverse small businesses. Uh, it, it's going to be like a short tank. And we caught up with Lowe's CEO Marvin Ellison exclusively to discuss this and how businesses take a listen.
4: You know that we've been committed to trying to help small businesses operate in this really difficult economic environment. We started out with $55 million in small business grants that we've been issuing out. And just to give you an update, we've had over 800,000 applicants for these grants since we initiated this program. And so the demand from this program led us to understand that there is a lot more that we should be doing. And so we came up with an idea to try to get more products on our shelves and on Lowes.com that originate from diverse entrepreneurs. And we came up with this idea called Making It With Lowes, where we're gonna launch this virtual nationwide search for businesses or small businesses entrepreneurs to pitch to us products that we can sell online or in stores and we're excited about creating the opportunity for the american dream for an entrepreneur to get their products in a mass marketplace to serve customers
1: well i think it's a, a great and noble idea i think it also comes at a time when Lowe's is experiencing a remarkable turnaround, your stock up about 38 percent for the year is the finest performing major retailer that anybody follows. And some of it is because I think that you had an inkling that a house is going to be functional and you pivoted Lowe's to be able to meet that demand.
4: You, you, Jim, more so than any time in our life, the home is being reimagined. So today the home is multipurpose more so than ever. It's a work from home space. Uh, It's a homeschooling space and it's a predominant space for entertainment and recreation. And and we're just very fortunate and blessed at Lowe's that our business model will allow us to serve all three of those unique needs of our customers. And this has been a team effort. My, My management team has been incredibly focused on keeping our stores safe for our associates and our customers. But more importantly, trying to do our best to help the customers manage through this really difficult environment that COVID-19 has presented to all of us.
1: Now, Marvin, one of the things that you discovered when you came in, I remember you telling me when you first came in is, geez, we're a little bit, a little bit behind in the Internet. And the other thing you said was that, you know what, we've kind of lost the pro who used to come into Lowe's uh, in a remarkably short time. You've been able to reverse that.
4: How did you do it? Well, Jim, as we've discussed before, when it comes to solving big technology issues for large companies, you need a couple of things. You need time, you need capital, and you need talent. Uh, and, And we invested the time. We've been working on this for 18 months. We've invested a lot of capital, and I recruited some extremely talented individuals who've done this before. Just to remind you, we went from a decade-old platform with Lowes.com and we re-platformed the entire site to the cloud. That enabled us to have a lot more agility and functionality at a time where customers made a massive shift to e-commerce and digital purchases. So we were right at the right moment in time to do that and in the second quarter our online business grew 135% and that's on a, a big base. In addition to that, we understood that the essence of a home improvement business is the pro customer because they drive productivity in every department every day of the week, and and Lowe's was not really focused on that. And so we pivoted, and we have launched a loyalty program. We brought in products that better resonate with the pro, and we just recently announced that we're launching Tool Rental, for Lowe's and our data shows that 70% of pro customers use tool rental and we were not in that business. And so we launched our first tool rental here in Charlotte. We're gonna be expanding it nationwide over the next couple of years. And so we're gonna be committed to serving that really, really important and very, and very influential customer while making sure that our e-commerce business continues to be something that customers think first about. And we're proud that we have one of the highest rated mobile apps in any retail environment today. And that took a lot of work, but I'm proud of the work that the team put in to make this a reality. Uh, Do you think you can continue to uh,
1: take market share gains even when we get COVID under control?
4: We, We think so, Jim. Look, the first thing that we did this year is we created trust with the customers. All of us. I mean, we were very concerned about the ramifications of going outside of the house in this COVID-19 environment. And so we took extraordinary efforts in our stores to ensure that our customers would feel safe when they came into the building. That has garnered us you know, a lot of goodwill and return visits. It's my belief that when you win customers and you continue to serve them in a very customer-centric focus, those customers continue to have you top of mind for future purchases. And we've seen that in the first and second quarter. And so we think that if we continue to focus first on the customer, we continue to invest in our associates, and we continue to create an environment where we can take the friction points out of every transaction, either in-store or online, those customers are going to continue to come back. And the macro environment for housing, specifically for home improvement housing, remains very strong.
0: Hey, Marvin, it's Carl. Uh, it's great to see you. And congratulations on the initiative, which is absolutely fabulous. Um, you know, we're talking about this pivot to the home that you were uh, prescient and seeing, but it's come with a strain on inventories. Lots of consumers have stories about going into a store, uh, having the item that they're looking for out of stock. Are you seeing, at least directionally, that picture getting better, or is that going to be an issue for some time?
4: You call it, it's getting better. I mean, you have certain categories like lumber that we've seen demand like never before. Uh, You have another category like major appliances. There's been incredible demand. But... Our supply chain merchant and operations team has been working very hard, and we're seeing it get better in every single category. You, in the retail world, we call it chasing inventory, and we're still chasing certain categories because demand is simply outpacing available supply, but that is getting better each and every week.
0: You know, a lot of our viewers, Marvin, they know you from a prior era, right, which is in the department store world. And I just wonder, while we have you, I hope you'll forgive me, if you have thoughts on... Sort of the existential nature of that model right now, whether it can pivot in ways that aren't cost prohibitive and make a go of it uh, in this new era, which obviously has turned that model upside down.
4: Yeah, look, this is this is probably the most challenging era for the department stores, even pre-COVID-19. At the end of the day, I have a very simple philosophy, and I think it is all retail businesses must create a model to serve customers any way they desire to shop whether that's in-store, online, buy online, pick up in-store, or all in between. And I think as long as the department store model is focused on serving customers in the manner in which customers choose to shop, offering a compelling value and taking the friction points out of the transaction, they're going to be successful. Now, you always will have winners and losers, but, but every customer in every era will look for a value, they will look for simplicity, and they will look for something that will give them you know, the joy of a purchase. And I think as long as any retailer, specifically departments, will focus on those elements, they're going to find a way to be successful.
0: Our thanks to Lowe's CEO Marvin Ellison. And by the way, still to come, we're going to talk to FUBU founder and Shark Tank investor Damon John, who's helping Lowe's get this competition underway, seeking to draw in some diverse small business owners. That's later on this morning. Squawk on the street. will be right back. Future solid here on a big day for Apple with the product launch. We'll watch the Fed and their two-day meeting begins. A lot of individual names we'll get to, including Nikola, Amazon, City, NVIDIA, Uber, and a lot more when Squawk on the Street returns. There's a look at the opening bell here on this Tuesday and the S&P uh, heat map at the bottom of your screen. Uh, Jim, as we await that, between the vaccine news, the obvious M&A news... Uh, Data really hasn't thrown anything to think that the bulls
1: won't try to build on yesterday's momentum. Well, there was a report came out last night. It was a pretty good report by KeyBank, and I read it. And They had some good things to say about Alphabet, Facebook, uh, Trade Desk. They're going crazy. I mean, it's just like an analyst report driving stocks. And uh, one of the things that I think that is different about this market versus others is that when analysts squawk and raise price targets, David, and we've seen this time and again, the impact is outsized. I've been trying to figure out why. It's almost as if the institutions are trying to pay, ca- play catch up with the indices or the, just the institutions are uh, trying to play catch up with the Robin Hoods. I don't know. Or is it the Robin Hoods listening to the analysts? It, it's, I, David, it's been so long since someone will say, you should go buy NVIDIA, and people then go buy NVIDIA. I mean, it, it, we used to laugh at it. And now, David... It's like, wow, that analyst. People don't even know the analyst's names. They're saying that analyst really made some good points. Yeah. And, you know, look, David, we've been around forever. That should not be what's driving things.
2: (laughs) Uh, Almost knocked my camera over there. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, And we should point out, Jim, as we have many times, but we have people who are joining us for the first time who are sort of engaging with this uh, topic to a certain extent. There are some analysts who really do a great deal of work who present uh, an interesting take on a company, who are not afraid of antagonizing a company's management, uh, but they tend to be fewer than uh, the average, who are looking to plug things into a model uh, and potentially uh, raise a price target when appropriate and or go with the momentum. Would you agree?
1: Yes. I mean, for instance, there are six different firms that told you to buy Adobe ahead of the quarter tonight. uh, maybe value added. The stock's been going up. But uh, the, the notion of Adobe beating the quarter is not shocking. The notion of coming in here tomorrow morning and Carl saying to me, Carl, uh, Adobe is up big. What's going on? And the answer is, well, the analyst predicted that digitization is doing well and you got to buy Adobe. Uh, the, Carl, th- this is, I want to make this point that it's really important that people recognize that this is Golconda, so to speak. This is in Halcyon time, even as America seems like it's anything but Halcyon. The stock market is filled with with, with stocks that either get bought or the analysts love them, whether they are industrials and it's cat and deer, or whether it is biotech where they're doing something against COVID, or whether it's uh, FedEx, which reports tonight and Union Pacific has said their business is on fire. So, I mean, there are two different worlds. There's the world that is underneath that blue and white ticker that you see. And then there's America and never the twain shall meet.
0: Yeah, Jim. And we keep waiting to see if that macro weakness underneath uh, has any effect on aggregate demand or economic output. But for the time being, uh, the thesis you're you're framing is exactly right. Take a look at Delta today, up three percent. Jim, we know the airlines have done well this week, but that's going to take you back to June Right on the idea that I don't know. Is it is it a vaccine play? Is it somehow a a slow realization that transmission is less on a plane than people feared back in March and April?
1: Uh, Uh, I I think uh, it's that'll be
0: a big issue for
1: people want to fly. Uh, People want to go places. Uh, The airlines have been able to to say, listen, if you wear masks, uh, it's safe. And these stocks turned out to be cheap. Now, you're going to get periodically somebody, there's going to be a skunk at the party. Uh, Carnival Cruise, I mean, comes out and says uh, they got to do a stock offering. Uh, they see uh, real issues. And, and, David, that's America, right? I mean, you, you can't, fl- you can't sh- you cruise right now. Uh, that's a, a real indicator that there are some companies hurting. But when you go into 5G, and 5G is China then you've got something strong. And, David, by the way, China, not only are they back, but the numbers they're putting up are really pretty phenomenal.
2: China had a, a true V recovery. Yes. Uh, or at least in the, in the midst of what is a, a V recovery, which is far from clear here, although in certain pockets we certainly have seen that kind of a rebound, Jim. Uh, um, by the way, speaking of rebounds, guys, it's nice to see that Tesla's back uh, firmly over a $400 billion <laughs> market value and Apple is back above a $2 trillion market value, oh. still below the $2.3 trillion that uh, it inhabited for a brief time there. But both, uh, both stocks have rebounded, as you see, and that is reflective overall of a NASDAQ that, comp that has been rebounding. Uh, lately, um, at least the last couple of sessions, um, one stock, Jim, not rebounding today, but turned around yesterday, but is now down is Nicola, which we've been focused right. on for obvious reasons. I, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to page through it. I have Hindenburg released another report this morning, um, you know, going over many of the same things it did in its initial report, but basically making the point that in Nicola's response, Uh, They did not answer many, if not, I think, 43 of the 53 questions that uh, Hindenburg had were not answered. This is going to be a battleground stock for a long time.
1: It is interesting that you get this uh, dichotomy. The people from uh, Nikola are saying, we went to the SEC. Uh, The people from Hindenburg are saying, we welcome the SEC. I mean, I don't know. If everybody welcomes the SEC, then perhaps there's a difference of opinion about what's happening right now. For instance, I think that when you speak to people at Nikola, they'll say, yes, it is true. Um, there was a picture, uh, a thing of a truck. Uh, yes, we uh, who said that it was really we never claimed that we were uh, behind the propulsion. It, it, it's the kind of thing that the SEC is just going to have a field day with. But at the same time, they got two billion. You got two billion from GM, Carl, two billion from GM. And it's a startup. They need another what? Probably a couple billion. I mean, if they want to be like Tesla, it, I think that Hindenburg actually hurt the fundraising activities here. I think that this was when you get two billion from GM and Mary Barra, that meant that you could probably get a couple more oh, billion. And they, I don't know if they can get it now. Did they get? Didn't,
2: did, did they get the two billion? I thought they were just issuing the, the shares to GM. Well, I don't think Jim's
1: buying them all. Yeah, no, no, but, you know, the So they're not actually
2: they, taking in capital.
1: No, the endorsement. Yeah. And and I think that what they're going to do is yeah. take that endorsement and shop it to Wall Street and get a couple, you know, I don't know, do some convert. I mean, people are doing converts. I mean, I, we should do SPACs and converts right here. The You know, C, let's see, C, D, J. The C, D, J. We can make a four. That's Carl, David, Jim. Uh, we'll do a SPAC. We'll like, just have a... <laughs>
0: By the way, yeah, I mean, yeah, convertibles. Yeah. Yep. Shopify this morning, Jim. I know you saw that. Yeah. That's um, what uh, Mark Dow this morning said. It's a SPAC pickers market.
1: Yeah, that really is. It's a SPAC pickers <laughs> yeah. market. I like it's, that. And, and look, is GM. Uh, or, it's not, look, they didn't give the $2 billion to Nikola. Is it a SPAC? Is Nikola a SPAC from uh, Trevor? I don't know. I mean, I, what I find is, is that anything flies. I mean, wait, wait uh, Gary Cohn was on yesterday, right? He hasn't made up his mind yet about whether he likes the president or he, he's getting late in the game not to have your mind made up. But, you know, he's doing a SPAC. And <laughs> I know there's some people in the financial industry doing some spacks, And I feel very left is, out.
2: Everybody's doing a SPAC. Everybody's doing a SPAC. As I, as I like to say, everybody's got a SPAC and a dream. So, and by the way, guys, listen, we benefit at CNBC from this. We're going to have tough questions, as you might expect for all these people. They come on when they price their SPAC. Remember, that's right. when they actually are raising the money. Then they come on when they announce the potential deal, the merger or take public candidate. Mm-hmm. Then they come on when they close it. So this morning we got that whole roadshow from Chamath. That was fascinating on Squawk Box with all his presentation for Open Door. It was interesting to watch. Um, Yesterday, we had Gary. Today, by the way, Jeff Smith from Starboard is going to be my guest about an hour from now or so talking to him about his SPAC. Obviously, they haven't announced they've, they've raised the money. They haven't actually done a deal. Um, and we'll keep coming back to some of the key things people should be aware of. There is a significant promote. It does dilute. The, the, the SPAC manager gets a lot of the equity. I mean, not a lot, but a good amount, as much as they're up to 20 percent sometimes, although it's been coming down in recent deals, And, you know, Jim, you have to start to wonder, what are the available candidates? How does that actually work? You know, you, you, <laughs> is it limiting to a certain extent? And is it uh, from an audience of companies that you may not want necessarily to see public? People have been saying that, of course, about Nikola, that perhaps it came public too soon through the SPAC route. It had been considering going public in Sweden.
1: Sweden. Yeah, like uh, Spotify there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, David, I think that we're going to get to a SPAC too far. Uh, We're going to get tired of SPACs. Every night on the lightning round, I get people say, well, what do you think of this SPAC? What do you think of that SPAC? I mean, it's like, what do you think? It's just like asking, what do you think of this manager? What do you think of that manager? Except for the manager makes a lot more money from the SPAC, David, than than he does uh, as a hedge fund.
2: Right. Now, listen, they will always come back and say, hey. Uh, our holders get to make a decision and they can vote with their feet and say, no, that hardly ever happens. Uh, You have had, you know, you've had a couple of gone awry. Global Blue is one, for example, that really went very poorly in part because of the underlying change in the business uh, at that company. That was the one led by uh, Third Point. And Tom Farley, remember, yes. uh, with Silver Lake, the seller of the business. But oftentimes, you know, you, you they get the deal done. And by the way, why is it so important? Why do they come on? Why are they marketing to our audience? Well, because you want that first day pop when you announce a deal. You want it to immediately trade well above ten bucks. Take a look at Chamath's uh, SPAC, if we have it from this morning, and you'll see that it is performing very well uh, on the strength of his presentation and uh, announcement of that open door deal. Uh, which does have a large revenue base, and he said, of course, they're, trading, they're buying it or taking it public or agreeing to it at, at a uh, one-times revenue. I don't have the ticker, guys. It's long, but we'll find it, and we'll bring it up for you. Yeah, we're looking for it. We'll find well, it. David, segment,
1: it, it, you're describing what, well, not necessarily a dump, but certainly a pump. Uh, I don't know. Is that good? No, right? Come on the show, no. pump uh, your well stock. They're no,
2: they're not selling. They're pumping. They're not dumping, right? Well, so I mean, they need it to go. Up, right. This because is they want it to pitch.
1: be clearly
2: in the blue, in the green.
1: Yeah. It's a sales pitch. And I don't think people are ready for that. It's not like when you bring on Tim Cook, he said, listen, I think you ought to buy Apple. And I think Tim, he says, maybe you should buy an Apple watch. But I, I find at a certain point that this is going to end badly. But you know what? Then I sound like just one of these cranks that comes on all the time. But I'm not a billionaire, so I, you know, I can't really say it's going to end badly. That's what billionaires say, Carl. Like a billionaire is deeply, deeply involved and worried that they may be less of a billionaire. So, uh, but they, And they always say that it ends badly. But I would say that there are too many SPACs. And the people who are thinking about doing there the is. next SPAC, I mean, come yeah. on. Slow down with the SPACs.
0: Well— yeah, our Cashin's note today, guys, leads with a story about the South uh, Sea bubble. And um, he says, I'm not trying to make the point that we're definitely in a bubble, but the SPAC element of, these, uh, of, the, of the enthusiasm in the IPO market is something he has not seen in a long, long time. And Fitzy says with the swings we're seeing in momentum trading.
1: The, there's a, what, a, this is the biggest week for IPOs we've had in ages. Uh, the, there, there's one that is coming called Snowflake. Uh, Frank Slootman runs it. And when I looked at the numbers, the numbers are just staggering. I mean, they're, they're all triple digit growth. They have a remarkable client base. They have a product that really does get rid of the silos and as in the cloud. David, I, when I look at, at CrowdStrike, yeah, I, I mean, I could pay two hundred dollars for the darn thing. I'm not kidding. I could come up with an for what, analysis
2: sno- for Snowflake. Yeah. 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 It's I, I, it's going to be. Quite an IPO, but some are saying, as, as, as you're sort of pointing out, reflective of a lot of speculation. Jim and Carl didn't want to, didn't want to end our conversation here at the Markets Open without hitting City, which is down about 2.3 percent after uh. a decline yesterday. Jim, we seem to be getting a, a few more reasons why perhaps Mr. Corbett may have taken a somewhat earlier exit than anticipated, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it was disappointing. Uh, Remember, they got a, pre, a very good bill, uh, bill of health from, the, from C-Car. Uh, but uh, when you lack controls and you yeah, basically make a very big mistake that costs the bank a lot of money, uh, then the companies, they're going to make them. I bet you they wouldn't be surprised if they made them get rid of the dividend, David. I mean, honestly, this, they're, this is a good time to exit.
0: Yeah, I, I will piping Jeff Hart today. Uh, Piper keeps an overweight. Uh, says that uh, a lot of this is already priced in, and uh, that the risk controls are bearing fruit. But uh, Citi, obviously, and the banks in general, today not lighting up, uh, light, not lighting up the scene. No. So thirty-four nineteen. Let's get to Bob Asani this morning. Hey Bob.
5: Hello guys. Happy Tuesday. Uh, nice open five to one, advancing the declining stocks. Uh, good overseas. Uh, good European numbers. Uh, China IP numbers. Uh, retail sales a little better than expected. So good overseas. Again, though, tech's leading every single day. I mean, we have had a nice move on energy recently, uh, consumer, healthcare, eh, Banks were up. All 11 sectors were up at the start. Banks have now drifted into negative territory. But overall, it's the same story. It's the same 10, 15 big cap tech stocks, uh, your Microsoft, your Apple, Uh, your semiconductor names, your NVIDIA, if you look at Broadcom, put up some of these names here, and they're the ones that are leading. Once again, you can see it every single day, these big names that keep moving the markets. But remember something, earnings season is getting upon us in the next couple of weeks, and the numbers are going up. This is the most important thing to realize about the stock market. Take a look. Earnings for the third quarter have been increasing as we get into the quarter. This is against what normally happens. Put up that full screen, because normally analysts cut their numbers as the As the quarter goes on, they're not doing that right now. They're actually increasing the numbers overall. And yes, tech is getting an increase, but this is pretty unusual. And this is one of the reasons the market's holding up so well. It's hard to argue for a big sell-off in the stock market when earnings are increasing overall, and not just in technology stocks, but even in some of the cyclical sectors for the quarter, waiting for the fourth quarter numbers to go up. And then we'll have an even better rally going into the close For the year. We'll see if that happens. Meantime, we've been talking about all of these uh, SPACs and things like that. Boy, what an IPO week. I know you briefly mentioned Snowflake, but uh, I I miss being down on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for things like this because you're talking about $2.9 billion they're trying to raise. They're going to price tonight. We're talking about a market cap north of $30 billion for Snowflake. But that's just the start of it. Unity Software is a 3D software company. They're going to raise almost a billion dollars, almost a billion. JFrog just does software updating, essentially. They're going to raise a half a billion dollars. Sumo Logic does data analysis. They're going to raise almost $300 billion. They're going to trade on Thursday. JFrog will probably trade tomorrow. They're going to price tonight. This is a, a software tsunami that's coming in for IPOs. The book is out of control for Snowflake, guys. Uh, We're talking 28 million shares at 100 to $110. A few days ago, the price talk was 75 to 85. So they've raised it essentially a third. It helps to have Berkshire and Salesforce committing to buy $250 million a piece, but that is an amazing raise. I've been doing this 23 years with IPOs. Uh, uh, Raising by a third in a couple days, that's a big, big book overall. Snowflake, just to give you a sense, uh, is not only the largest IPO of the year, it's the largest software IPO ever at 2.9 billion. That's the mid-range of what they're trying to raise. The next tar- largest would be VMware. That was way back in 2007 believe it or not, guys, 2007 is what you want there. So the bottom line is moves are up. Finally, just quickly, JFrog here. They're also updating. They do software updating. They at 39 to 41 from 33 to 37. That's an indication, Carl, that all of these companies, everybody is updating their software all around the world because of the pandemic. And these are the companies that are beneficiaries of that. Carl, back to you.
4: All right.
0: Uh, Bob, thanks. We'll talk to you a little bit later on. Bob Pisani. Still to come this morning, uh, Speaker Pelosi will be with Jim. Talk about where things stand with the stimulus talks and whether or not this new compromise bill from the Problem Solvers Caucus can bridge any gaps. We're back in a minute.
2: Rest easy, Mets fans. There is joy in Metville at least today, based on uh, the news that we got late yesterday, of course, confirming what we'd reported a couple of weeks back when we told you uh, exclusively that uh, Stevie Cohen had entered exclusive talks to buy the New York Mets. After a pretty heated auction, Mr. Cohen uh, is going to become the new owner of the other baseball team in New York. Struggling a bit this season, but certainly, as I said, a lot of um, hope for the future, given his potential ownership, now Major League Baseball still does have to sign off on the deal, though that is expected to occur. One would have anticipated the Wilpon family, of course, the controlling uh, owner of the Mets for uh, these past few decades, uh, has done enough due diligence within baseball to have a pretty good sense that Mr. Cohen will be uh, the, uh, the the uh, choice of most of the owners in, in order to get their approval. Um two point four billion is at least the reported number, of course, it is lower than what Mr. Cohen was very close to inking a deal last time that fell apart over any number of different issues, closing costs, management agreements, and the like. but guys it's a big m and a deal two point four billion and uh listen, he's still got a day job uh but uh, one would expect in the days, months, years ahead that mr cohen's attention will perhaps uh, focus more and more on uh, overseeing a team that many of us are hoping we'll see the postseason, perhaps not this year, Jim, but for many years
1: to come. Well, well David, I, I, I know you're obviously a Met fan. When you say there's joy here, is that because Steve Cohen's willing to spend much more money than the Wilpons, or is it they're going to clean house? I mean, what, what, what is the advantage of Steve?
2: That's a great question. I think that it is, there is a belief that he will have a willingness to spend. But I also think, Jim, and I'd be curious to see if you agree, listen, we know uh, about uh, many of the missteps that Mr. Cohen made, including one key one, of course, or uh, through his career. But at the same time, when you look at what he has been able to build again in the hedge fund industry, there is a belief that he uh, is somebody who is always looking ahead. Baseball has changed so much when it comes to technology. Uh, and things of that nature, and that he is going to be able to execute and build a very strong franchise, Jim, similar to what he's been able to do in the capital markets for many
0: years. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope it's that easy, David. <laughs> it's a different kind of business. Uh, all sectors are positive except for banks, Apple and Microsoft leading the Dow. We're back in just a minute. Apple, of course, hosting its first major product launch of the year today. We're going to be looking for a watch and an iPad at the very least. Stock is leading the Dow and hanging on to a 61% gain for the year. Back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading.
1: Yeah, Carl, I've been trying to describe the situation where you have analysts upgrade and how much it means. A very good company, CyberArk, does cybersecurity. Barclays goes from uh, hold to buy. And, And the stock's immediately up six. I mean, you know, this is the kind of thing I've not seen since the 80s. We see it over and over again. An analyst's recommendation can move a stock mightily. I have a lot of recommendations for the Rokus and Facebooks out there today, and they're all moving. So just keep in mind, this is an incredibly bullish moment. It usually doesn't last too long, but when it lasts, you got to you got to make the hay.
0: Yeah. Hey, Jim, Eamon Javers uh, is on Twitter backing up uh, what you've reported about uh, a, des- a potential decision on Oracle TikTok today.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's going to happen. I think that Cypher Katz, Katz is working overtime, made a very good case that this is the American bid, bringing 25,000 jobs. Uh, Cipius likes it. And I think the president's going to sign it. The question is, are going to do it today? Or are you do it tomorrow? Could be tomorrow. Cipius today. All right, Jim.
0: Yep, you're going to you're going to stick around um, for David Coston and the speaker, right?
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's something to do.
0: All right. In in the meantime, what do you have on MAD tonight?
1: We have Lenore, which is a giant home builder that I put put reported great numbers. But, of course, nothing's enough with this crowd. And then Lance Fritz, Union Pacific. I mean, aren't they supposed to be doing badly? What a stock. What a group. So we've got some uh, some winners. Let's make some money.
0: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.